What's up, friends? Before we hop into the show, I got to tell you about the one place you can get a true Colorado mountain pie. It's your favorite locally owned, legendary, unbelievably delicious pizza joint, Bojo's. The Colorado Mountain Pie has become a staple for not only natives, but for those who are just passing through and want to know where the best pizza in town is. Bojo's is the only answer. Bojo's dough is made fresh daily and contains locally sourced honey. You heard that right. They infuse their dough with natural sweetener, and it is to die for. There's something for everyone at Bojo's. Large, delicious mountain pies for the entire family, a huge salad bar with fresh veggies, Colorado beer on tap, including our personal favorite, Breck Brews, and your favorite sports teams playing in the background. Bojo's has private party rooms for all of your holiday get-togethers or to celebrate birthdays and other large events. They have $4 happy hours in select locations, along with gluten-free and plant-based options. Nothing is more important to Bojo's than their community, which is why they are always happy to raise money for your fundraising causes. Host your next fundraising event at any of the five Front Range locations. They're also offering this season a special pint glass koozie that will make for a great stocking stuffer, and it also comes with a $5 gift card. So guys, get in on that. Time is ticking down. So check out their their website today at bojos.com that's b-e-a-u-j-o-s.com and make sure to tell them dnvr sent you all right mates let's hop into the show Welcome into the DNVR Broncos podcast on this Merry Christmas Eve. And before we check in with Mace, I got to tell you guys about our presenting sponsor, Strava Craft Coffee. This could be a perfect gift, perfect last minute gift for you. Of course, it's delicious coffee mixed with the CBD, which helps with aches, pains, migraines, headaches, sore, anything that's going on with your body. The CBD magically helps with. So make sure you check that out for yourself or get it as a gift. I know so many people in our office use it, so we want you guys to check it out as well. And if you do, whether it's for yourself or a gift, use that magical code DNVR20 to receive 20% off. Mace, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you as well. Christmas Eve. We just got past Christmas Eve, Eve (laughs) slash Festivus. Broncos have a full day of work ahead of them today, and then they get Christmas off. So it means we covering the team get Christmas off. Yes, thank you to that. So not taking... Thank you, Santa Vic. (laughs) Yes. Because that was his decision. Although... Even though... He... He gave kind of a depressing answer <laughs> yes. on Monday when he was asked about whether he was going to, what he was going to do to celebrate Christmas, and he said he was going to, you know, come into the office. Didn't sound like anybody was going to be around. <laughs> no, he said he was going to spend Christmas alone. Alone. How sad, Vic. If you're <laughs> listening, welcome to come over here. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, Casa Mason. Just uh, you can get my number from Patrick Smythe and. Uh, I'll give you the address and all the info. And yeah, we don't want you alone, Vic. We've got room at the table. <laughs> we'll be watching basketball. You know, it's 
it's everything for a good holiday, so just come on by. <laughs> and Mace, I can't believe we have to talk about this, but there's been people in town talking about this that it's maybe not the best thing that Vic has given the team Christmas off. And maybe you have a different, okay. I was going to say, maybe you have a different viewpoint than me, but I think that is absolutely crazy that that can't be a good thing. It's asinine. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Because what's going to happen this week, first of all, it's week 17. Unless you're going to the playoffs practices this week are basically going to be glorified walkthroughs even for some teams that are playoff bound and are playing a game with leverage and significance this week they're not practicing the way they were because everybody's beaten up so you're going to throttle back a little bit so there's that there is the bottom line that this team isn't playing for anything, anything significant. You can manipulate the schedule and do more. I, I gather they're going to do more in terms of meetings and stuff like that today so they can have the time off tomorrow and then may even make up a little bit of that on Thursday and into Friday as well. Friday is usually a half day. So the notion of giving them Christmas off, it doesn't mean that they're just taking a day and burning it. They're going to make up most of it over the course of the other days. I recall back in 2015, it was a Friday on which Christmas fell. And that week, it would have been a football Thursday because the Broncos played on Monday Night Football. Mm, Yep. So, Broncos, they're playing for everything. They're playing for number one seed in the playoffs at that point against another playoff-bound team in Cincinnati. And Gary Kubiak said, okay, Christmas Day, Friday, football Thursday, you're off. Manipulated the schedule to where everything got done on other days. Life went on. And so that's why I just don't think this is a big deal. Anybody who runs a team can adjust the schedule to make sure players get time off. On Christmas Day. Yes. They can. Do they? That's the question. (laughs) I'll tell you a story. 2002, Christmas fell on a Wednesday like it does right now. Mike Shanahan was not pleased with his Denver Broncos. They were 8-7. and Their playoff hopes were hanging by the slimmest of threads. They just lost a division title showdown with the Oakland Raiders the previous Sunday. And he did give the team a little bit of extra time off on Christmas Day, but had it toward the afternoon, so everybody was in in the morning. Oh, oh no. And it was at around 8 a.m. on Christmas morning that he called Brian Greasy up to his office and told him that he was benched no for Week 17 way. against Arizona, that Steve Berline would get the start. So... Not only are we all out there on Christmas, we're covering a quarterback change oh. on Christmas. And Brian Greasy actually had to go do a press conference. His oh, weekly press man. conference there in the media room on Christmas morning, having just been benched. I actually thought that was one of the strongest moments of Greasy's career. The fact that he actually got up on the morning he was benched and took questions. On Christmas, On Christmas morning. 
Wow. Wow. Mike was a Scrooge that day. Yeah, you've got Santa Vic, <laughs> and then you've got Grinch Mike. <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I'll and, take this. Oh, 100%. And Mace, for all of the reasons you said, it is absolutely the right call. And on top of that, there was a report that came out from Jason Lockefeller. We talked about it a couple months ago mm-hmm. about how, you know, there's a divide. Players don't like Vic. Coaches don't like Vic. Well, we've seen that Vic, Vic do a lot of things since then. I don't think it has anything to do with the report itself of Vic going to basketball games with the players, of Vic giving his players Monday and Tuesday off after a victory. This is another thing that just shows that Vic is a good guy to work for. He's a he's a good guy to work for if you're a coach, if you're a player. He says we work hard, and he doesn't say we play hard, but he says these guys need adequate time off. This is the right thing to do. It's a good move for the players that maybe the Broncos want to keep. It's also a good move for free agents. And, and when, when free agents are talking to guys on the team, guys will now say, and not just because of uh, of, of having Christmas off, but because of the, the accumulation of everything Vic's done, they'll say, yeah, you know, Vic works as hard. We have two-hour practices in training camp, but he, he also treats us well. He respects us. That goes a long way, and for it to be one day off in a meaningless week 17, that is very well worth it. So I'm sorry we had to even talk about that, but no, I, ju- I just had to make sure that you know we were on the same page because I just thought it was absolutely asinine. Yeah. Who is saying this, by the way? <laughs> you can guess. Do I need to ask? You can guess. It's on uh, on some local airwaves. Okay. <laughs> That's usually where this stuff comes from. Right. Yep. <laughs> yep. Oh my god! I mean, it, it's just stupid. Lighten up, people. Yes, golly, yeah, it's, all it's Christmas. It's Christmas, uh. and Mace, let, let's let's actually talk to some people that we do like hearing from, and that we don't think have ridiculous opinions. And that's why we put out the question of the week, of course, presented by Sports Call. Make sure you check them out for. You know, anything you're doing this holidays, bring your family down there from out of town. It's a great part of town to be in. Delicious food. Shoot some hoops there. Get some delicious drink deals. Sportscom's a place to be down in Lodo. And our question of the week was, when was the last time you felt this optimistic about the Broncos? Although they're sitting at 6-9, and nine, which, is, which is funny. But obviously, if you listen to this pod, even once a week, once a month, you know optimism is abound right now. People feel good about this team. They do. And I just wanted to know, okay, when was the last time you felt this good? We'll start with Nick Geyer. Not sure I have ever felt this optimistic. I unfortunately became a for real fan in 2017. Although I do remember how pumped people were after we beat the Packers for the Super Bowl. So since then, I was more optimistic then. Ha. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, since 2017, I don't know if... uh... We're going to find many people that have been more optimistic since then. Well, yeah, not much reason for optimism in the Case Keenum era. No, or the Joe Flacco era. Certainly not. Aquaman says at the beginning of every season, then the games would start, which quickly made me lose my optimism the past few years. So being optimistic at the end of the season is a great feeling. Well, good point. Aquaman. That's a good point. Here's one who says 2017 Jay Park. After beating the Cowboys a few years ago and holding Zeke, Ezekiel Elliott, to under 20 yards rushing. Of course, the Broncos were 2-0 and at that point with a couple of home wins. Trevor Simeon looked like he was on fire. There were some in this market <laughs> that were suggesting to give Trevor Simeon 
a new contract right then and there. I believe on similar airwaves, as, as we were talking about earlier. You don't say. <laughs> Ryan Clayman says, the year after Super Bowl 50, so 2016. That's fair. Yeah. Timothy Pierce says, that 2015 game where we destroyed the Packers. Mm, yep, yep. A lot of good moments against Packers. The best single game of that season. It, it really was. They destroyed Aaron Rodgers by, who, by, or by the way, who is uh, trash. Not good. He's trash quarterback of a 12-3 and three team. Is that what you're trying to say? Exactly. Yep. Yep. We all get lucky. Trash quarterback who's nominated for the NFL 100. Yep. Yep. Exactly. I who's mean, going they, to the Hall of Fame. They, yeah. They've, who uh, has a Super Bowl ring. They've really lowered their standards all the way around. <laughs> next one. Okay. From, uh, next one from Eamon Badwin. He says, the day they drafted Paxton. Paxton Lynch we're talking about. People did want to believe. First round pick. I remember optimism in Broncos country was high. Yeah. When they selected Paxton Lynch. Mm-hmm. People hoped that he was the man. Yep. I didn't want them to draft Paxton, but I mean, the guy that I wanted them to draft. Um, deep Kim, in my Kim Diche, he didn't really pan out either. Deep in my gut, I really wanted them to draft Dak Prescott in round two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wanted them to wait, and 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 I figured they could get Dak in round two. Yep, could have. No. <laughs> so it goes. That that's an interesting. That may be a what if. What if the Cowboys uh, make that trade and the Broncos end up with Dak Prescott? Right. Yep. That'd be interesting. Then we're discussing whether to give Dak Prescott yep. a contract extension. Yep. Thirty-five million dollars right now. Well, what's their record right now? That's a good part of the what if. Mm. The team would look a lot different. It could. Could have a different coach. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Dan Kennedy. Since I realized Peyton had successfully recovered from his neck surgery and could play at a high level again. Full disclosure, I wasn't on board originally with Peyton Manning. Retread. Same way I felt about Sanchez, Case, and Flacco. I was correct (laughs) 75% of the time. Well, I'm, I bet you're happy you were wrong on that other 25%. Texas Broncos says, Trevor against the Cowboys. Okay, so this is a game that people are coming back to. There, there is some hope still in 2017. Um, Brett says, after we crushed the Bengals back in 2016, Trev Bott was going to be a star. Remember, he was the AFC Offensive Player of the Week mm. after that game. Yep. What was that, week three? Week four. Uh, week three, because the next week they went to Tampa. Week four, beat the Bucks, but then in terrible Clinton McDonald conditions. Eventually, the game started. It was hot, but uh, nothing unusual. It was terrible conditions after Paxton got in, and they actually had to stop the game in the fourth quarter. So right. the Broncos were winning by three scores. And oh, by the way, you you Buccaneers, you're going to have to wait this one out. And when they came back in, when the worst of the storms had subsided, it was still raining, but they had to wait until like the light, the heavy lightning had passed. There were maybe three thousand fans left in the stadium, and they were all Bronco fans. Oh, all the Buck fans had bailed. Wow! They finished that game in an empty, in a nearly empty stadium. That's wild. Yes, you don't see that often. Only in Tampa, because <laughs> that month they had two. They had two games in the first four weeks of that season that fell victim to lightning delays, which is maybe wow. why they shouldn't play uh, a lot of early season games in Tampa. 
because yeah. this, the uh, the heavy thunderstorm season usually goes up until the end of September. So, and storms tend to happen more in the late afternoon. I mean, not that playing at 1 p.m. Eastern time is ideal, but you got a better shot of getting the game in than playing at 4 p.m. Right. So, yeah. But I say just, I say send, I, I say send them on the road for three games and have the fourth game be at night. Yeah. There you go. In Tampa there in you September go. and be done with it. Samuel Bisu says after to leaves pick six versus the Cowboys again in 2017. <laughs> yeah. Broncos were two and zero. Oh, yeah. Headed off to Buffalo, they shuffled off to Buffalo and shuffled into. Trevor Simeon hitting the wall. Yep. And that team never being quite the same. Yep. Cam, after, after that. Sorry, Mace. Cam Walker says going into Peyton's last year, so the beginning of 2015. Josh McElwee says it's a different kind of optimism than 2012. It's more a 2003 kind of feeling. Now, that was the first season with Jake Plummer. And the Broncos started that season 4 0. And then he got hurt. They hit the skids. They were 5 and 4. Few weeks later, end up finishing ten and six, and then lost to the Colts in the playoffs. Ron Patton says against the Cowgirls in two thousand sixteen. You know what? <laughs> I'm gonna throw a flag. Oh, on that insult. Oh, that's sexist. Mm. Come on, let's mm. retire that one. There we go, Ron. Let's, here, sorry, in Mace. sorry, man. Uh, the Vox week four or five of twenty sixteen. See, I was week four. I'd say going into that, and also maybe coming out of that because the Broncos did not implode in that first game with Paxton Lynch. He came in, he threw a touchdown pass against the Bucks. Yeah, you thought, okay, they might be fine. Yep. If he has to go in there, and then the Falcons had some film, dissected it. Also dissected the, the linebackers of the Broncos. That Tevin was the game. Coleman. That was the turning point game for the Ooh. Broncos in a lot of ways. Was the Falcon game. Yes. Because you started finding out that Paxton Lynch may not be the right guy. Because think about it. Yeah, it was his first start, but it was too big for him. But you could see in the yeah. first start for Drew Locke that it may work, it may not, but it's not too big for him. You could even see against Kansas City last or two weeks ago now that it still wasn't too big for him, even in a losing effort. And Mace, I know the, the game against the Falcons ended respectfully, but it was awful until, what, midway through the fourth quarter? I mean, the Broncos are getting beat by by multiple scores. Oh, they rallied for a closer loss. And didn't Paxton have, was. like, 86 yards going into the fourth or 111 yards? I mean, he was terrible. They got stomped yeah. that day. Yes. It wasn't pleasant. They did. And I believe the last one that I'm seeing coming in from the Tater says, Honestly, I haven't felt this kind of optimism for our franchise since Cutler. Cutler. I never was a fan of Trevor. Okay, I understand. The Peyton years were different. I felt like we were playing with with borrowed time. So thinking it might end at any moment, that it was one hit away. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. I know some fans felt that way. And there's actually one more comment from Sanjeev and Singh Sidhu since Super Bowl 50. That's the last time he felt that optimistic about the Broncos. So Mace, when was the last time you felt this optimistic about the Broncos? Well... While I didn't think Trevor Simeon was going to be a career-long answer, the way he played against the Bengals, I felt pretty good. And the Bengals, member had five consecutive postseason appearances going into that year. So going on the road and beating Cincinnati and Trevor Simeon having a big game, at that moment, that felt huge. At that moment, 
I did feel like, even with Trevor Simeon, that the combination of that defense and an offense that had just enough explosive capability when Simeon could find Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders, I felt that combination could get the Broncos on a nice deep playoff run, maybe even back to the Super Bowl. Yep. And then a week later, he got hurt. Two weeks later, the defense was exposed. And even though they got to 6-2 and two and 7-3 and three later that year, it was never the same. Mm-hmm. At that point, the expectations had been downgraded. Right. Simeon was hurting, but had shown some of his limitations. And the D was not as consistent as it had been. For example, the Raiders slaughtered them on Sunday Night Football that year. So, yeah, I'd have to go back to the Cincinnati game of 2016 for the last time I felt this optimistic. Although, maybe it's that's the last time I felt close to this optimistic. I'd say maybe this optimism is on a level. Wow. Um, it's been a long time because I'm not generally an optimistic person. <laughs> but it's the holidays, Never. so now I you're don't optimistic. Know. <laughs> the last time I felt close to this was the Bengals game in 2016. I'm not go, sure. You could go with when the Bucks drafted Jameis. I wanted Mariota. <laughs> uh, 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 not that either of them has worked out <laughs> great, but I like my quarterbacks who don't have sexual assault on their resume and don't go stealing crab legs. Yeah, that's that's So fair. there's that. Yeah, that that's a fair expectation to have. Mace, I'm going to go almost the exact same time as you. I'm going to go one play before Trevor Simeon got hurt in the Bucks game, the fourth game of the 2016 season. I was always a Trevor guy. I always wanted to believe in him, and there was nothing not to believe in him in those first three and a half games. In fact, when Trevor came back, he, he was still good. He He was really good for a guy making his first career start in it for an entire season. He was really good in 2016, having a a year much better than so many other great quarterbacks have in their first year. So I was all about Trevor. And look, you're 1-0. You just beat the Carolina Panthers with the MVP Cam Newton. Uh, the, of course, the 15-1 and Carolina Panthers. You beat them in week one. Week two, you come back and you beat the Andrew Luck-led Colts team in Week 2. Then, like you said, Trevor Simeon is the Offensive Player of the Week against the Bengals in Week 3. Then Week 4, until Trevor, I was never a Paxton guy. So when Paxton was in, a little cautious about that. But I was. I, th- this was a Super Bowl defense with a Super Bowl head coach with everything was, you know, they had lost a few pieces. And, of course, they had lost Peyton Manning. I didn't necessarily think this was a Super Bowl team, but I definitely – Definitely thought this was a playoff team, and I thought that there could be a chance that the Broncos just got their next Tom Brady. And and not Tom Brady in terms of like a Hall of Fame quarterback, but somehow landed this guy who had it in the head, had enough physical tools to get by, and landed a seventh-round pick that was going to be their franchise guy. That's that. That's the the last time I was you believe optimist. I I believe you believe. I believe I believed in Trevor. Never believed in Paxton. And I got to give credit to the listeners though, Mace, because they make a really good argument for 2017 after that Cowboys game. But I just I think at that point, ah, uh, 
you had seen a year of this team, you just missed the playoffs. I think the, the optimism level was just a tad bit down from where it was in 2016. And I think the optimism level for right now is higher than it was then because Drew Locke, hey, he could be the next Hall of Fame quarterback for the Broncos. Yeah, and you know what? In 2017, we had seen a year of Trevor Simeon. So we knew. Right, exactly. Yeah. You were building off of that, whereas the early, the early, you know, earlier in the season, we, we hadn't, or in 2016, we hadn't. So I think you did feel better. The unknown and, is really sexy. And don't forget in 2017 as well, those opening two games were at home, whereas the moment I felt optimism in 2016 was when they were on the road. Right. So again, Cincinnati. Right. Yep. Exactly. That that, and that that does matter. That was a fun conversation. Thanks, guys, for 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 everyone that participated in that. And before we talk to more of you in our comment section, gotta tell you guys about Breckenridge Brewery, the Avalanche Ale. Perfect, perfect time to grab yourself an Avalanche Ale, a six pack, twelve pack, or maybe get it in a, in a sample pack stop by your liquor store today and get that for all your family gatherings this this evening i know a lot of people are getting together tomorrow for christmas this weekend next week for new year's make sure to show your friends and family the delicious beer that breckenridge brewery has if you want to try a new one make sure you check out the avalanche ale it's perfect for this time of year so delicious especially if you're going up to the mountains or, or anywhere in cold weather and Gotta tell you guys about the Green Solution, which has 17 Colorado locations and an express checkout to get you in and out as fast as possible. So get on your phone right now. Go to their website, mygreensolution.com. Order your flour, concentrates, edibles, and topicals online and head to the closest Green Solution for pickup. And use that magical code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase. All right, Mace, let's reconnect with people once again. Before we get into the user comments couple of things first of all this truly insane story about former broncos offensive coordinator adam gase as reported by the new york daily news by the way with the uh, new york daily news headline being ebenezer stooge (laughs) that the new york daily news according to the story has learned that the embattled head coach has privately told people for months that Jets diehard fans have never mattered to him that, quote, I am rich as bleep, unquote, has become Gase's go-to line since taking over. It's become his defense mechanism. Oh, no. Oh, boy. How can they roll with him after this year? And that Gase has also said behind closed doors that his, quote, give a bleep meter, unquote, is low when it comes to critics since he's got enough money in the bank now thanks to Jets owner Christopher Johnson. Oh, my goodness. And that he's not going to significantly significantly change how he operates. Wow. Well, he'll be significantly changing after he gets fired. In the- yeah, if this is true... They've got to let him go. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, you can't have a you can't have your head coach who is who has said that stuff. How, how are you going to get a fan base? You're just not. Holy cow! And one more thing. Broncos dodged a bullet there. Yeah, they did. Although it might have worked out differently if they'd promoted him in 2015 and he'd had Peyton Manning to work with. It might have worked out differently for him. Yeah. I think with Adam Gase, 
you know how I've mentioned that some players have had trouble adapting to the post-Payton reality? Yep. I think Adam Gase has as well. Mm, I think so. So the other thing, before we move on to the comments, I was looking at the shotgun percentage for the Broncos. Okay. In the first 11 games with Joe Flacco and Brandon Allen, 53.1% of the play is in shotgun, 47 point or 46.9 with under center. Since Drew Locke took over, the shotgun percentage is up to 59.1. There we go. There we go. Skang's making How does that the make necessary moves. I like it. I like it. And it can continue to go up. Yeah. And what is also interesting is that in shotgun, the yards per pass play has risen from 4.7 to 5.6. But the yards per pe- but the yards per pass play under center, it wasn't bad before. It was seven point five, pretty good. With Drew Locke, eight point five. So he's making things happen under center. Mm-hmm. I love it, Drew Locke. All you need is quarterback. There you go. Makes everyone look better, doesn't it? It's fascinating how that works, huh? I makes you're killing us with facts. I love it. I love it. And he's actually doing all right under center. The other thing that is uh, interesting is that the Broncos average more yards per rushing attempt in the shotgun. (laughs) So they average more yards per rushing attempt in the shotgun, and this is with no matter who the quarterback is, and more yards per pass attempt under center. So it's a little bit of deception. Yep, certainly is. Doing what is unexpected. And so you can run out of shotgun, John. Yes, you can. <laughs> and run quite well. Yes. Let's hear from the listeners. First one coming in from California, Orange and Blue. I feel blessed to have heard Mace's moment of epiphany. The sheer joy and celebration in his voice just brings a tear to your eye. Really. I could give a rip about lots of naysayers, but Mace being the lone holdout on this team was unsettling. All aboard the Drew chain train. Choo-choo. Quick question for you guys. There was a strange voice on the pod yesterday. I believe you guys called him Rick or Rich or Ryan or something like that. Sounded like a ghost to me, but it was good hearing him. One last game. Let's beat the Raiders and choke the life out of their playoff breaths. Go Broncos. Well, you'll be happy on Thursday. I think Ryan should be back making his, what is it now, twice weekly cameo? Yep, exactly. (laughs) Okay. I'll say this, though. Do you really want all of us to agree on everything? Of course not. No, we need the disagreement. Okay. Absolutely. Right. No, I love it. I think also the fact that it took me a while, it made it it made the journey the des- or it made the destination all the sweeter given the journey. Absolutely. So, Antonio Costa, <laughs> hey Mace, missed you at the tailgate Sunday. A few questions. Number 1, Locke has t- only taken 3 sacks in 4 games. What part of his skill set best attributes to that stat? Would you say teams are blitzing less due to his arm talent? his ability to move laterally to make plays, or something else. Number two, do you think we've seen the rise of Hamilton Sunday, or was it fool's gold due to the lack of depth in Detroit's secondary? Mobility is what jumps out with Drew Locke. I think that's the biggest reason why, getting him outside of the pocket, uh, doing some more things with shotgun, also uh, some quicker reads, getting the ball out quicker. There's a lot more first read stuff than there was previously. And he's got a very good pocket presence. He knows when something's coming, and then he can get away. Yeah, number two, as for Hamilton, I'm playing the wait-and-see game with him. I just don't know yet. Like we talked about, Detroit has been burned by number three receivers all year. 
So that's why and I said this on KOA Monday afternoon. I'm going to say it here. I want to see Deshaun Hamilton stack another game on top of that. Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, it, it's an inconsequential game in the grand scheme of things for the Broncos. Week 17, they're out of it. But for Deshaun Hamilton, it's potentially the most important game of his career. Without without a doubt. And, uh, yeah, I'm very encouraged by that. But I, I need to see more. I need to see the exact same type of game on Sunday. Vic was pretty encouraged, though, on Monday. He was. He was. A guy that's not easily encouraged. Right. Next one coming in from Bronco Born Bronco Bread. Merry Christmas, DNVR. Merry Christmas to you as well. Think Vegas is catching on to the Drew Locke train. Vegas opened us up as four-point favorites against the Raiders who are playing for a playoff spot, and I think they're right. This is my comment from yesterday that didn't make the pod. I'd like to call back to preseason and what should have been a red flag for Juwan James. I remember that he had some issue that he was not able to move that that caused him to not be there the first day he could. This set the tone for what has been a dumpster fire. This also shows to me that I believe y'all are right. James's issues are completely mental. I don't blame Elway for this, though, because how could he have known all of this, really, since that seems to be new? People say you can change once you change the status of your outcome drastically. Maybe James is in love with the paycheck and not the work for the paycheck. One thing that was floating around from Miami is that he needed to be a hundred percent to play. Right. And that if anything was wrong, he wasn't going to be out there. And we're seeing Vic repeatedly talk about guys that are playing hurt. You know, Von Miller playing on the knee, Draymond Draymond Jones Jones playing on the ankle, which speaking of Draymond Jones, shout out. He's up for rookie of the week as he should be two sacks from an interior position. Absolutely should be up for, Rookie of the week. And Mace, Vic told us last week that that's exactly it. He said when he talked with Juwan James, he said Juwan told me he wasn't 100%. And like you said, in football, guys are pretty much no guys at this point in the season are playing 100%. Yeah, mentally and emotionally ready. Yep. Uh, Damning, damning comment. Tim Andy, Timmy from Sweden. Hi, guys. Not a question today. Just had to tell you something. You talked about the Black Friday of Canada. It's actually here in Sweden as well, but it starts at the 25th instead because in Sweden we celebrate Christmas on the 24th. Really? Well, Merry, well, Merry Christmas, Christmas. then. <laughs> we call this sale Melendagsria, <laughs> which in English would be in-between days sale from the 25th mm. until the new year. I didn't know Canada also had something similar. You learn new things every day. Merry Christmas to the DNVR family, Timmy. Merry Christmas to you, Timmy. Hope you're enjoying your Christmas today and your shopping tomorrow. Next one coming in from Seth M. Welcome aboard, Mace. Go ahead. Have a seat and take a look at the fine amenities that we have available for you today. At the top of this brochure, you will see a 15-year starter. Just below, you will see a 2-4 two and four, two to four Lombardi trophies. Easy. Uh, however, words cannot quantify the pure joy you will have watching, watching and covering this team for the next one and a half decades. Excitement in every turn. Hope with every year and Broncos football that will send chills down your spine. In all honesty, that's a bit extreme. But after a bit of bordering on apathy, watching Locke has got me pretty excited for the future. Plus, he's just an easy guy to cheer for. I generally try to stay out of the comments for the pod's time's sake, but couldn't resist a little hype. Merry Christmas, fellas, and thanks for all that you do. Well, thank you so much, thank Seth. You. Merry Christmas to you as well. Appreciate the optimism. I'm not going to do anything to dampen it. Yes, I love it, Mace. But no, not today. Christmas time. Uh, 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 uh. 
Scrooge Mace, the Grinch, the Grinch that stole this podcast. Reality has no off switch, <laughs> but it does have a dimmer. Uh oh, just keeping it on low. <laughs> you ever see uh, Book of Mormon, the musical? By the way, no. Okay, there's a a song in there has a line about a dimmer switch. <laughs> I've heard great. That's things about just it. keeping it low, like down like a dimmer switch on low on low <laughs> thinking nobody else should know <laughs> you killed it macy you can sing <laughs> oh gosh if you've seen book of mormon by the uh, by the creators of south park trey parker and matt stone you know exactly what song i'm talking about <laughs> tucson bronco mario welcome aboard mace i do agree with you about the fact that five games isn't really enough to crown him the guy but it sure is to tell that he is a starting quarterback for next year. Don't worry, though. By week 14 next season, you'll finally be sold. <laughs> we'll see. Anyway, I have a couple of underrated thoughts about the offseason. I'd like your take on these. Number one, everyone is talking about how we need a tackle in the early rounds or big money free agency. But knowing this coaching staff in front office, they would want to give Bowles another chance. If they want to go that route, Elway should draft a high-ceiling, low-floor tackle in a 3-5 to five round range that Munchak can develop into a stud and then have them battle the job out. If Bowles actually wins the job, then we are going to have to suck it up, and then at least that tackle we drafted would learn with Munchak on the sideline. Number two, wide receiver is an obvious need heading into the offseason, and most people have them drafting one early in the draft, especially speed. How about we trade for the fastest 40-yard dash time John Ross using some of the many picks we'll have? There are many scenarios in which this can work. There were also some rumors of him getting trade this past offseason. There's been some issues with him in Cincinnati. I think he could use a fresh start here in Denver. The only issue has been his injury history. It can allow Elway to address other needs early in the draft that's not a wide receiver. Have a Merry Christmas, Lockmas. But you mentioned the injury history. Doesn't that give you pause? Absolutely. After what the Broncos have been through injury-wise the last few years I mean, with signing players that have injury histories. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so. I'm I'm okay with both of the scenarios in terms of a tackle in round three to five and well, trading for John Ross. Well, we talked about that even yesterday yep. a little bit. The notion that uh, you push tackle down the ro- down the road a little bit that your plan for 2020 is Jawan James and Garrett Bowles, and then 2021 your plan could be insert tackles from the 2020 draft here and see that's where i'm not okay with with it right here i'm not okay with the tackle in rounds three to five being the first tackle that you get i'm not okay with john ross being your plan to fix the wide receiver position i'm okay with both of those as long as there's another move at both of those positions before so get a tackle in round one and then get one in round three to five. Get two in round three to five. Get trade for John Ross, because I don't think you're going to have to trade much for him. And also draft a receiver in the in the second round. I'm okay with that because those are both high upside moves, but they can't just be your only move that you make there. So trade for John Ross, say give up a midday three pick. Yep. Like a five or a six. Yep. And then Jalen Rager round two. Huh. I like it. Okay, makes I sense. Like World of Suck, just a little something I think is worth mentioning in the evaluation of Drew. He had no fear throwing towards Darius Slay on Sunday. He didn't have a lot of success throwing Slay's way, with Slay getting a few PBUs in a really good game. But Locke wasn't afraid, and he always put the ball in a spot where his receiver had a shot, and Slay didn't. That's the ice in his veins kind of stuff you want to see in a potential franchise QB. Drew Locke hasn't shown enough to be crowned as a franchise QB. But that role is his to earn and his to lose. He's the guy until he's not the guy. Well said. 
Well said. I like that. He, See, he's I'll a say guy until he messes it up. Now I'll he's say he's that. he's a guy until he's the guy. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Next one coming in from World of Suck again. Quick second comment here. I've always been anti wide receiver in the first round, but the Chiefs game changed my mind. Lock Sutton, Fant, Lindsey, first round wide receiver sounds like a great way to go toe to toe with Mahomes, Hill, Kelsey, Hardman, Watkins. Line is great but I want it to be a matchup nightmare on offense. Give me a wide receiver in the first, but you've still got to bring in two to three bodies between free agency and the draft and let Munch work his magic. Merry Christmas, guys. Thanks for the great coverage and hope you all have a wonderful day with your families. Thank Thank you. Thank you for the kind words. Thank you for the comment. I wonder if Sammy Watkins is back. Yeah. Because the Chiefs have a cap crunch as was alluded to in the comments yesterday. They're going to have to create some space somewhere. Sammy Watkins might be a good spot to do that. Hill, Kelsey, and Hardman still isn't a bad trio, right? No, there. it's not, and certainly they've shown they can find wide receivers. T. Woods, 16. Hey, boys, what are your thoughts on reuniting with Aqib Tlaib for next season as a depth <laughs> cornerback piece? I know the past few years he's been hurt, but he if he was a rotational guy on a cheap contract, I think it could bring some value to the team to help Yadam and Bosby. Maybe I just missed the no-fly zone from 2015. Also, random comment here. But I had my first CPA exam last week, and I was seat number. Wait for it. Drum roll, please. <laughs> 75. So hopefully it was good luck, and I aced the exam. Thanks, guys. Happy holidays to all the DNVR crew and go Broncos. Oh, T. Woods, that's awesome. I hope. I bet you crushed the CPA. And I hope when you saw the seat number 75 right before the exam, put a little smile on your face. and Maybe you banged the table. Yeah, that'd be something. And everyone's like, what is that? You know, the best jokes are the ones that are so deep inside that only a few hundred or a few thousand people know. Yep, yep, exactly, exactly. So, Mace, what do you think about Aqib Tlaib? I don't know if you're about to... If you're thinking hard about this or if you're just thinking of ways to say no. Depth piece, fine... But here's the thing with Aqib Tlaib. Can he handle being a rotational guy? Because yeah. he's always been the guy mm-hmm. at cornerback. I don't know how he will handle that sort of transition. Some guys can't deal with it, and they just kind of fade away as yeah. pros. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think you find out if there's something there. But everything's changed from back where the Broncos were in 2015, 2016. And of course I know he was here in 2017, but that was when things were starting to go truly askew. I don't know. I would personally, personally love nothing more than to have a key to lead back on this team, to watch him, to cover him, to talk to him in the locker room, the quotes, but, but I, the time has moved on. And I, th- I this think team T is Woods, becoming a little less quotable. Yeah. And T was, and that's I, why you, You'd want selfishly. I'd want to keep to lead back for the yeah for the fodder for stories and conversation. But uh, you know, if this team loses Chris Harris Jr., for example, then it gets a lot less quotable. It does. It does. But T Woods, I think you're just you're just wishing that the no fly zone was still here, and it's not. The time has passed, and uh, keep to lead may or may not be back for a Ring of Fame induction. He has to be a Ring of Famer. You already established that if a player plays four seasons and goes to the Pro Bowl in all of them. He's a pro he's a ring of famer. Then that's the next time Akeep Talib's coming back. Yeah. 
Unless it's to retire as a Bronco. That'd be something. That would be something. <laughs> Next one coming in from Iceman. Hey, friends. My gosh. Welcome aboard the Drew Train Mace. Love you three. Miss Arcade. The Drew stats in the first segment were amazing. Mace, you and I share a brain in that the 2020 draft has to, or, or in the 2020 draft has to all, be all about helping Drew succeed. John fills all the holes possible in free agency, and all the draft picks are for the Broncos and Drew to succeed and continue to even get younger. Happy holidays, all. Happy holidays, Iceman. Thank you very much. 8-Bit Bronco. Hey, guys. I'm glad Mace is on the lock train for 2020. However, I agree with him with Locke not being the guy yet. Need to see how he does next year before we know if Drew will lead us to the promised land. I will say this about Drew in these last four games, even the bad game at KC. I have felt calm watching the Broncos play. Most of this season, I have felt on edge watching them play, just waiting for a three and out or a drive-ending sack of Flacco. However, with Locke, I feel like we can actually score on every drive, and the defense has been playing well overall. It's sad that the season is coming to a close when things are trending up, but I'm very excited to see what we can do this offseason with a QB set and not one we have to talk ourselves into. Looking forward to the offseason pods. Happy holidays to you guys and the DNVR fam. Happy holidays to you as well, 8-Bit Bronco. I think that's actually a really good point about having a different feeling watching the Broncos play. I wouldn't say it's calm. I would say now when the offense is on the field, I have the hope that something good can happen. Whereas with Joe Flacco and Brandon Allen, the expectation, the hope, you, it was hoping against hope. The expectation was this drive will probably not work out. Sort of reached that apex in the Buffalo game with Brandon Allen. Oh, it certainly did. Uh-huh. Mace, be honest. How nervous were you when the Broncos were down 10-0? How worried were you? Well, I wasn't worried or nervous. I mean, look, they're five and nine coming in, but I did think this is an important drive for Drew Locke. And when they responded with that (laughs) seventy-five yard drive to a touchdown, at that point, I felt pretty good. When they they were down ten-seven, but when they were down ten-zero, though, I wanted to see what happened on the drive because it it was starting to feel like. Maybe this is just a day where they're off kilter. I wasn't worried, nervous one bit. I didn't even care what happened that drive. I was so confident that this team was going to become be able to come back. Now, it did help, of course, that it was against a bad Detroit Lions team, but any other time this year, if they're down 10-0, I'm going, okay, are they going to lose by, by more than 14 or less than 14? They're, they're not winning this game. I was never worried. Okay, I mean, I get where you're coming from, but I wanted to see that drive. When they got to 10-7, after that point, I never felt they were going to lose the game. When they were behind 10-7, I thought, okay, they're going to, even at 17-13, third quarter, I thought they were going to win. Yep, yep. That did settle things. Mace, before we move on, got to tell you guys about a few local companies here. First one you may or may not have heard of. It's called DNVR, (laughs) and we want you guys to join our family over here at DNVR. And this is the perfect time to do it because as the season ends, Mace, that's when coverage really starts. That's when you guys need all the information of what the Broncos are going to do in free agency and the draft, how the season looks moving forward. It's really the, the fun time of the year, especially when you've been covering losing teams and watching losing teams. This is when, when and boy, now more than ever, hope 
is eternal right now. And we want you guys to be rolling with us. So make sure that you join us. You get all of our coverage, plus every other sport that we cover here at DNVR. And you get to support us and you get a free t-shirt yourself. So please join us. And when you do, say hello in the comment section. And Mace also got to tell the people about Piper Electric, which has been serving the metro area since 1983. Through a commitment to service and team performance, Piper Electric is the hometown electrical contract you can trust. If you call 303-646-6765, they will give you the DNVR hookup and you'll save 20% off your next service call. No job is too big or too small for Piper Electric. They work with the top professionalism and integrity in the biz, whether it's residential, commercial, or industrial work. Don't forget, you have to call 303-646-6765 to receive 20% off your next service call and make sure you to tell them that DNVR sent you. All right, May. speaking of locals, let's jump in and continue to talk with the people. Yes, Jay Harrison, 16. What's up, guys? So... I am very reluctant to say that Drew Locke is the guy. If you look at his three wins, they are against teams that are with very low-tier defenses. I think the test is going to be the game this week, which I am going to be in attendance. This game has a lot dependent on it. The Raiders' playoff spot and trying not to get swept by our rival. The Raiders are very average, which is a great test for Locke because if he can't find a way to get it done, we're going into the offseason thinking he can beat bad defenses, but he can't beat average to good defenses. But if he can get it done, I'm sold he's the guy. I'll see you guys Sunday at the Sons of Mile High Tailgate. Can't wait to meet my favorite podcasters. And can't wait to meet you, Jay Harrison, 16. Uh, but here's the thing, Mace. Yes, it's been not the best defenses that he's beat, but you can't forget and ignore that he absolutely destroyed Deshaun Watson. Well, he didn't. The defense did. It was a but, quarter, but quarterbacks going, don't going, beat quarterbacks. Quarterbacks beat the opposing defense. Going head to head. He destroyed him. The game was not close. If you beat Peyton, let, let's say Drew Locke were to go out and beat Peyton Manning it, or Trevor Simeon. But he doesn't. Trevor he Simeon beats the beat opposing Andrew D. Luck. I, that's why I hate these like quarterback matchup things. Because you don't discount that. You, you're you trying to, but you don't. If anyone beats Peyton Manning, that's huge for that opposing quarterback. If anyone beats Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson, that's big for the opposing quarterback. They outdueled them. And it wasn't like the Broncos just won because of great defense. No, Drew Locke tore that defense apart and uh, really took it to Deshaun Watson. I mean, Watson. the thing that you want to see is can he go, if Deshaun Watson does something, can he counter it? I, I think I would have been where you are if Deshaun Watson and the Texans' offense had played better and it had been, okay, well, they went out and did this. You had to go out and respond. But that's not the way that game flowed. So I'm not going to hurt Drew Locke for just balling so hard that Deshaun couldn't catch up with him. Would also help that Kareem Jackson took the pitch from Jerry Atakshi and went to the end zone. And so you were up 14 nothing, and the defense gets another stop. And you're still on the script, and you're up 14 nothing. So Boy, you are a Grinch. Today. I'm not a Grinch. <laughs> I'm just, just having a little bit of reality about kind of how these things flow. If... It's a game where Deshaun Watson, the Texans' offense, are effective early, and he's gone out there and, and driven them to a quick touchdown, and then you see how Drew Locke and the offense responds. Then you've got more of a duel. The way that game flowed, that wasn't a duel. It was Drew Locke playing well, but the Deshaun Watson thing was kind of off the table in that game. If you shoot someone before a gunfight starts, you're not going to have a gunfight, but you still won. It's because you're just that good. 
Well, maybe, or maybe you uh, <laughs> had one of those pieces of iron as a shield and you just went ahead and did it. So, Count Locula. The Week 17 lame duck games really bummed me out. Do you think a system of promotion and relegation could help alleviate the pains of these often meaningless, torpid matches? Love the count. Yes, I am all for the NFL expanding by four teams, having two tiers of 18 teams each, having promotion and relegation that move up to six teams up and down. So literally the bottom six of the top tier, the top as many as the top six of the bottom tier could move up or down in a given year. My playoff proposal on this is to have a postseason that involves 16 teams, 12 from the upper tier, four from the lower tier. Then you have another couple of one-game playoffs between teams... 13 and 14 from the upper tier and 5 and 6 from the lower tier to see who go who moves up or who stays down. But it would lend a lot of fun to this. The other thing I would do on this count is that I would give the number 1 pick in the draft to the team in the second tier that had the best record but was wasn't relegated. Oh, or wasn't promoted, I should say. Wasn't, wouldn't, wasn't that promoted. Ju- wouldn't that just keep the bad teams bad? Not necessarily, because then, in effect, what would happen is if the top six teams from Tier 2 both were promoted to Tier 1, seventh place would have the number one overall pick in Tier 2. Right. And it would go down the line. So if you finished 18th, you'd be picking, tw- and dead last in both tiers, you'd be picking 12th. I want to have something on the line every week. Or Mace, how about this? Your other proposal of the last four games, the team with the best record in the last four games that makes isn't the otherwise play. in the playoffs makes it right, makes it. Broncos would be right there. They probably would be that, wouldn't they? I don't think any other bad team has been three and one. Well, it'd be the last four games, so it'd be two and one. Right, going in. Right. And I love that. That's a way to make the these very, very interesting. But Mace, I, I'm that would be fun. I mean, like imagine if you're the Miami Dolphins, okay, and you're having a wretched season. Yep. Where you basically kind of in, intended to tank almost, and yet Miami, you know, they they'd be one and two heading into this last game, so they wouldn't be, you know, in it as much as others, but I mean, they're two and two. They're playing decent ball right now. Yeah. The Broncos though. I mean, imagine, imagine the excitement. If you were going to the stadium on Sunday, knowing that a Broncos win could get them into the postseason because they had the best record of any non playoff team. Otherwise. Yeah. That'd be fun. That'd be very fun, but it would change the outlook for everybody. It would change what teams do at the trading deadline. Yep. It would change, you know, There would, would there ever be sellers? Because right. you'd say, man, we can, yep. we can get hot at the end here. <laughs> yeah. We can, you know, be riding momentum and go 3-1 and one or 4-0 and oh in the final four games of the season. We can get in the playoffs and make something. <laughs> and it's basically, it's the same principle as conference tournaments in basketball. Right. You get one last shot. Yep. Yep, exactly. I'd, I'd love, but, love that so idea. So either promotion, relegation, or my idea of the, the hot team getting the last playoff spot in each conference. I love it. 
I, I love it, but they'll never go for these things, though. No, but here's these the thing. are radical ideas, and the NFL is not a place where they like radical change. And yes, the Broncos technically aren't playing anything this this weekend, count. But boy, I I'm excited for this game against the Raiders. So, and, and I bet you are too. Next one coming in from T Dubs and Mace. This is a fun one. Hey guys, just wanted to check back in and let you know that my college English paper on the DNVR community received an A. Hey. Congratulations! Thanks to everyone in this family for all that you do, and of course, go Broncos. Well, congratulations. Way to go. Thanks for writing about That's us. That's a great holiday gift right there. Yes. College paper like that, getting an ace. Bronco Matt. Hey, guys. Well, I'm locked in. Ordered my jersey yesterday. <laughs> Surprise at the price. Only $100 with free shipping at the team store. If lock truly works out, these past four years for Elway could be called another Elway comeback. As a GM, <laughs> he just kept on fighting like a player. Also, the vibe of Sunday was different, even though we were down by 10. I cannot recall the last time. I felt confident we would come back. I felt that way Sunday. That's why I bought a jersey. Have a great Christmas. Thank you for all you do. Best sports subscription in Colorado. Hey, Thank you means, very much, That Bronco means Matt. so much, Bronco Matt. Thank you so much. And we're so pumped that you're rolling with us. Next one coming in from Dan Burke. Mates, it's interesting that you brought up Marty Herney for liking Kyler over or liking Greer over Kyler. The same report said that the Panthers had Locke as their number one quarterback. So at least he isn't totally crazy. I'm glad that Locke showed a different side of himself against Detroit. You have to be careful, though. A cautionary tale exists right in the division. In 2014, Derek Carr's pro comp was Jay Cutler. In 2016, his teammates called him a gunslinger along with the Brett Favre comparisons. Fast forward a couple years, and he's throwing the ball away on fourth, fourth down plays and barely pushing the ball downfield. Got to make sure they strike a balance. Thanks for everything. Thanks for everything y'all do. Happy holidays. How much of that was Derek Carr's evolution? How much of that was him starting to throttle it back when John Gruden came in? And how and much John- of it was that injury yes. that he had? That that really messed with him. That's them. true. H-Town Bronco. Merry Christmas, fellas. I hope you all have a great one. 2020 is the year of the lock. For the offseason, I would prefer signing tackles to bounce off Mace's point. Rookies on the O-line usually don't work, and the tackles we currently have aren't working. If we can sign a top-end veteran left tackle, Costanzo or Conklin, and a veteran inside linebacker who can cover Littleton, I th- Corey Littleton, I think we'd be in good shape to use their draft for receiver, cornerback, and punter and fill it in with extra linemen on both sides. The one thing about signing, spending a lot of money on left tackle is that that means you could have a lot of money tied up in both the left and right tackles. A ton. And I think they are going to see enough in Garrett Bowles to where they give him another year, and then the draft is where they decide whether he gets the fifth-year option or not. Right. Mace, I like Costanzo. At, I do, too. At, as a player. And I'm a fan. I, I mean, he's consistent. You know what you're getting with him. If you did trade for Costanzo, I think, or if you did sign Costanzo, I think you need to trade Garrett Bowles. Yes, I, I agree. But here's the thing with, with Costanzo or any player on the market. You have to ask yourself, why? Why would a team let a top left tackle go? Age. Then that should concern me at, at, as, a, as another team trying to sign him. And also what, what, what gives me a lot of pushback to this idea is – what if the Broncos tried to do it right tackle the past, what, four years? They've tried to sign guys. They've tried the plug. They've tried to pay the big money and bring these guys in. Well, and it has failed miserably every single time. But there's a difference between Jawan James and the other failures at right tackle because 
for the first time, the Broncos went for a premium guy, a big money guy. At right tackle, the other solutions were trade for Jared Valdir, who was near the end of his career. He was making a lot of money. But he was near the end of his career. And it was a one-year deal that you could easily get out of. It didn't have a long-term commitment. And then you went for Menelik Watson, who had an injury history and thus was cheaper than other tackles in the market. And Donald Stevenson was not a very good player, but you thought, okay, he's a scheme fit. And you signed him for $5 bucks, which back then was a decent amount. And then Russell Okung, you signed him. Now, again, it they was, should have kept it was a Russell Okung. Deal. They should have kept Russell Okung. But Mace, I, I don't like that. I think you need to get your guy through the draft. And that, that's just how I'm feeling about it right now. But I totally understand where you're coming from, H Town Bronco. Next one coming in from, oh, geez. Oh, Blit. Ballin. Ballin Nick Cast. Ballin Nick Cast. Thank you there, Mace. You're welcome. <laughs> Mace's moment of clarity was awesome. As someone who was always glass half empty, I've been trying to temper my enthusiasm for Locke, but every game I watch of him, he makes me buy in a little more every time. The number one thing I love about him is his feel for the rush. His sack rate is incredibly low, and it's not because our offensive line is so great all of a sudden. Locke's ability to maneuver around the rush and or his ability to scramble and get some yardage on the ground is huge. When Flacco was in there, his inability to move at all caused us a lot of sacks and negative plays. Locke's ability to make those plays a net zero or a positive has been huge for the offense. It was apparent in the Chiefs' snowstorm game, ironically. He moved so much better than Flacco, who got sacked an unholy amount of times the last time we played them. Locke looks like the real deal. If he continues to develop, we could really make a run at this thing in 2021. Go Broncos and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you as well. Yes, Merry Christmas as well. And yeah, the having mobility is huge. It changes everything. Although what was interesting is Vic Fangio, when I asked him about the sack rate, pointed also to schematic changes, more chipping, etc. Yep. But I think Drew Locke is the <laughs> yeah, huge factor in that. That's the biggest reason why. Look, you can say about half the sacks, maybe more, when they happen, they're on the quarterback. Yeah. And now that quarterback is doing his job, so get rid of half the sacks. Yep. And finally, Missouri Bronco. Best moment of the year was Mace's moment of clarity. <laughs> and that, that is true. It was, it was everyone's favorite. And Mace, we had a buzzer beater come in right now from Andrew O. What free agents would be on your offseason wish list? Mine are Chris Jones and Anthony Costanzo. If you trade Garrett Bowles, like you know, Anthony Costanzo's on the wish list, I've kind of taken him off in terms of my expectation because I think – they're going to ride bowls for another year. What was interesting is he had the hold yet again, 12 holding penalties in his last eight home games. Pro Football Focus gave him the highest grade, grade he's ever had for yep. a single game. Yep. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. And it's worth noting about Garrett Bowles that he allowed five pressures against the Browns, six against the Colts, four against the Chiefs in the six games that have followed the Browns game, four pressures allowed for Garrett Bowles. Wow. He's doing a lot better, especially in pass pro. And that's why the Broncos are going to give him every opportunity. And that, by the way, you can't simply say the quarterback there because Brandon Allen, that was his first game, and Bowles had five pressures, and then he allowed only one pressure in the two games that followed with Brandon Allen, only three pressures allowed in the games with Drew Locke. 
Yep. So he is making strides. Yep. Yep. He he is. So for me, I want to address offensive line in the draft, wide receiver in the draft. So uh, I look at the other side of the ball. In free agency, I want to go after corner. How about Byron Jones as a guy that you're putting up there, playing his best ball right now? I'm a James Bradbury guy. Okay, and and, and that's that's totally fine to address it that way. Uh, defensive line. I mean, if you want a big splash, there's Leonard Williams out there. Um, but I don't think the Broncos will go that way. But there, there's there's a lot of players out there. I want to go offensive line and wide receiver in the draft. They're both, especially wide receivers, so deep. You don't need to pay a crazy amount of money. And Mace, that'll do it for us on this merry, merry pod. Yeah, Merry Christmas to you. We will not be recording on Christmas Day. So this is the Christmas podcast. Good tidings to you at this holiday season, and we'll talk to you on Boxing Day. Yes, have a fantastic time with your friends and family. And we, of course, are your friends and family in this community. Thank you guys so much for making this a wonderful place on the internet and a wonderful community. All of you mean so much to us. And before we go, you guys know how supporting local business is in our blood, and that's why we're super excited to tell you about Denver Rubber Company. And may not be what you think it is. Denver Rubber Company is the most reliable local partner for your long-term projects. Since 1972, Denver Rubber Company has provided the highest quality of products from custom die-cut gaskets, molded rubber, to custom contract manufacturing, and custom hoses. And you guys know that snow is here. And you'll need Denver Rubber Company when it comes to anything snow plows. DRC can cut to size and pre-slot most snow plow rubber. The blades can be cut to any length and slotted for mounting to meet your exact specifications. We went and checked out their warehouse a few weeks back, and let me tell you, it was nothing short of amazing. These guys have created proprietary materials that make up the inside of wind turbine blades, and we even witnessed machines that can cut that, that, that cut material that are used in bulletproof vests. Remember... Denver Rubber Company custom makes it all, and you can purchase products for yourself and, of course, buy bulk at a fantastic rate. They're a family-owned business with loyalty only to the people, just like us here at DNVR. So be sure to call them today for any snowplow needs, custom gaskets, hoses, etc. at 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com dnvr and make sure to tell them that DNVR sent you. All right, for Andrew Mason, I'm Zach Stevens. Have a fantastic holidays. Merry Christmas, everyone.